Hi, and welcome to the Skift Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I'm your host, Editor Baduni Krishnan, and I'm joined today by Skift Editor-at-Large, Brian Summers, as we talk about whether business travel will actually come back in September, given that the Delta variant of the coronavirus is raging across much of the U.S. Once again, if you have any feedback, reach me at mu at skift.com. Check us out, airlineweekly.com, and you issue the, the weekly drops every Monday. We update the site throughout the week, and if you're not a subscriber, information on how to subscribe is on the site. Hey, Brian Summers, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Madhu. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. And as all of you know, Brian Summers is our legendary editor-at-large, formerly the Skift Senior Airline Business Reporter. He's uh, taken a little time off to, to pursue a, a, a degree. So um, thanks for joining me and making the time in your uh, busy student schedule there, Brian. Sure. Summer is still a great time for an MBA student, so having a nice time. <laughs> All right, let's just get into it. So you and I have been sort of talking offline about uh, our our differences in how and how we view the airline industry's recovery. And, um, you know, we all listened to the airline, uh, the U.S. CEO's um, second quarter results, and there's a lot of optimism. But I've started to think you are coming around to thinking that optimism may be misplaced. Am I right, Brian? Madhu, I have always been a pessimist. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, there was a brief period, I'd say, last March when I was feeling optimistic, and that was for a, a pretty good reason, it turned out. I think we all felt, or most of us felt, that the summer of uh, 2021 was going to be a big time um, for airlines. Basically, uh, as you know, every airline in the Northern Hemisphere since the beginning of time has made money in July. Um, and uh, with uh, the virus, uh, you know, uh, dropping steam, it looked like uh, in June and July, uh, people were very excited to fly. And I think uh, it proved that July was a great time um, for airlines in the United States, uh, even as, as Delta became uh, more prevalent. And even now we're hearing anecdotally that despite the fact Let that me there's a lot you. of Delta you mean, you mean the Delta variant of the coronavirus, not Delta Air. Yes. Yes. I guess we have to make that clear now. Um, but despite the fact that the Delta variant is on the rise, uh, we're, we're hearing uh, good anecdotal things about August as well. Uh, but uh, September is another story, as you know. Yeah. And, you know, um, every airline CEO, except with the notable exception of Gary Kelly, who has been a bit more... Um, measured in his comments, uh, has said that business travel will rebound starting after Labor Day in September, in early September in the U.S., um, when kids go back to school and people go back to their offices and they'll hit the road again. But uh, whether they go back to their offices is an open question, right, Brian? Yeah, I don't know what a lot of these CEOs are uh... Are, are talking about, I hope for their sake, um, that the business travel uh, does uh, pick up in the fall. Uh, but as you mentioned, there are a lot of companies that have said that they're going back in September. And uh, very recently, they've walked it back. Uh, a lot of the tech companies, um, some banking firms, uh, things like that. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of optimism. There was a ton of optimism in the United States in, in May and June. And, and some of that has dissipated uh, we all have become public health experts and epidemiologists uh, during this, or at least armchair versions of it. Um, <laughs> yes, let's stress the but, armchair you know, version. Uh, you know, n nobody really knows uh, what, what, what's going to happen in the fall. Uh, but I, I just can't imagine that business travelers are going to return uh, en masse uh, in, in, in September and October. 
you know, a lot of times you'll tell people that on Twitter or in real life and they'll say, well, but I know somebody who's traveling a lot for work and I don't doubt uh, the anecdotes, right? It's not going to be like uh, April 2020 again, where like literally no human beings are flying. Uh, but I just don't think it's going to be uh, gangbusters. No, I mean, it's hard to, to travel for work when you're working from your basement. And, you know, I, I live in the Bay Area and, and Brian, you live in the Los Angeles area. I mean, we've we just both regions have just recently reinstituted mask mandates. Several large companies in the Bay Area, as you mentioned, tech firms have said uh, the, they're postponing the return to office indefinitely. Um, so. Uh, it's there does seem to be a gap also between what people say they want and what they actually yes. do. Uh, I, I met a, a Skift colleague uh, last week in Los Angeles. Skift has started a little bit of business travel, and he was in Los Angeles for a big hotel conference. And hotels being hotels, they wanted to do it in person. They wanted to do it uh, at the same hotel they always uh, do it in and make a big deal out of it. And my Skift colleague told me that basically half the people that RSVP'd for the conference they didn't show up. Interesting. Um, Delta, the Delta variant was on the rise. And as much as we all want to go back to normal or the way uh, things were uh, just before the virus, uh, we just we can't do that. We, we, we want to do it. Um, but but when push comes to shove, uh, you just decide maybe it's not the right time to, to get on an airplane well, uh, right now. And to that point, I don't think any of us can really comprehend yet what structural changes there have been to not just business travel, but to society at large. I mean, this this is in the wake of all pandemics and, and seismic events in history. I mean, there's just things change. We don't, you can't see the change now, but um, I, I do do question whether we'll go back to the ways we did business before and whether we'll travel. I mean, I, I, I hear anecdotally that um, from friends of mine in finance that uh, you know, the business travel they used to do is just gone. Right. I mean, there's, there'll be no more flying to London for lunch. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, uh, we're not going to talk for the whole time about anecdotes, uh, Madhu, <laughs> but just, just thinking about me here, uh, for about the first year after the pandemic hit, all I wanted to do was, w was get back on the trail and get back into business travel. And at this point, it's just been so long, uh, that I'm not thinking in the past anymore. I just don't miss it as much as I used to. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that's a really good point. I mean, how, as you said, um, with your call, our colleague Cameron, um, you know, what people say and what people do are two entirely different things. And I'm, I'm really interested I've, that half the people who RSVP'd for this conference didn't show up. You have to wonder how many just thought about all the hassles that are involved in traveling now and just said, yeah, you know what? I don't, I don't really feel like it. I don't miss it. I thought I missed it, but I don't. Madhu, I know somebody else that came out for this hotel conference from New York. Uh, I won't say his name. And he had a, uh, a close call, a, a, a COVID scare. He spent time with somebody who ended up testing positive for COVID. So he flew from New York to LA for this conference. Uh, he flew home. But then his wife didn't allow him to go back inside his apartment. So he had to get a hotel for five days upon returning to New York uh, and test negative and then go home. You know, when you start hearing stories like that, people are going to say, is it really worth it to, to make the trip if I have to quarantine when I return home because I may have had contact with somebody who had COVID? Yeah. And, and even leaving that aside, Brian, I mean, you hear 
I mean, friends of ours have traveled to Europe once to Europe reopened and, and just the, the, or, or, or even Hawaii. And it's just the testing requirements, like, you know, that the, the cost of testing, the hassle of trying to find someplace before returning to the U S getting your results, you know, all of that traveling is already stressful and complex and adding another layer or several layers of complexity just, just kind of takes the shine off it. I'd imagine it does. It does. But we'll have to see. You know, uh, I think uh, Ned Russell is often on this podcast with you, right? Yes. And Ned is in Europe uh, right now with his family. So right. we'll, we'll see how he does when he comes home. He also sent me a picture of the tests they had to get uh, before leaving that, that are approved by the airline um, and by the U.S. government for reentry into the U.S. And I mean, I asked him, well, isn't that just a hassle? Like, what's one more thing you have to do and pay for and worry about? Some people... I'm with you, Brian. I don't particularly miss travel. Um, I thought I would, but I I, I don't. Um, anyway, that's that's all of it. That's us like talking about uh, our travel, but business travel. I mean, it, the airlines really are pinning a lot of hope on this uh, on this resurgence of business travel. I mean, they had a great summer, as you said. They're having a great summer, and uh, the, you know, schools will reopen. People are going to stop traveling to visit grandma um, or go to Disneyland in September, and What's your sense? I mean, do you think that there will be enough revenue coming into the airlines to supplant or to replace all this uh, this leisure travel that we've seen this summer? No, I, I highly doubt it. Um, but I, I am curious uh, what airlines are, are thinking here, right? Because I still follow uh, the earnings calls. And in some way, it reminds me of what we were seeing from some airlines in like May and June of 2020. So more than a year ago, where um, some airlines probably led by American Airlines would just get on these earnings calls and they would announce that the recovery was here and uh, whether they were like lying or fibbing, I don't know. But I was sitting in my house in L.A. thinking these people are are nuts. Do they actually believe what they what they're saying? Um, you know, you have to be honest to a point on an earnings call, uh, but you can white lie. You can fib a little bit. Sometimes I wonder if they even believe uh, what they're saying. I mean, they have to know that business travel is not going to supplant this crazy leisure bump that we've had this summer. Right. Um. I, not if you, you, as you said, not if you listen to what they say. Now, what they do will be interesting. Like, will they, will they actually move their networks around to fly between business centers like they said they would? Um, or will they continue flying, you know, random point to point leisure flights? Um, yeah. I'm, I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anyone knows the answer to that. It really will depend where we are as a country in September. And let's also not forget, I mean, Right, business travel is like sixty percent down, or whatever it is, and international travels down even more than that. I mean, that's another lucrative uh, part of the airline industry's uh, uh, revenues, right? And, and when that when international travel is down seventy percent, I mean, no one knows when that's coming back. Everyone says it's starting to revive, and you see random flights to Croatia or whatever, like you know, to grab any leisure travel travel there is, but. But uh, right, it doesn't replace San Francisco, Singapore twice a day. Exactly right, and uh, the with the front of that aircraft full of business travelers does not replace it at all. So um, 
I I don't know. I'm I'm call me Cassandra, but I, I'm a little more negative than than these CEOs are. But hey, at least uh, you know we we take it for granted, right? Because we're in the U.S. But at least the United States has that great uh, domestic market, right? There are a lot of a lot of countries out there that have almost no domestic market, and those airlines are hurting a lot more than U.S. carriers. Yeah, or not at all, like Singapore, um, which just posted what a four hundred million dollar loss or something. Um, so interesting times. And we're back. This is Baduni Christian, the editor of Airline Weekly. I'm your host today, and I'm joined today by Brian Summers, Skiff's editor-at-large and um, current MBA student. Um, so, Brian, let's talk about uh, air rage <laughs> a little. It's no air laughing rage. matter. I'm sorry. It's no laughing matter to our listeners, but uh, it is. Uh, it does seem like there's a re- sh- like somewhat shocking um, uptick in, in the incidence of air rage. Yeah, airlines like to tamp this down as best as they can. You know, the PR staffs at most carriers will say it's not that big of a deal. You're unlikely to see uh, air rage on any flight that that you're on um, statistically. But look, there's no doubt that we've been seeing a lot of uh, uh, a lot of episodes of, of of air rage and then airport rage and tempers are hot. Uh, a lot of airlines are, are understaffed. Uh, some of what we were seeing at the airport in uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico recently uh, w- w- with Spirit Airlines and all those cancellations and irate customers, uh, it's it, it's not good out there, Madhu. It wouldn't keep me from flying. I, I don't fly that much anymore. Um, but uh, uh, airlines and everybody needs to get a, get a, get a hold of what's going on. Yeah. And just today, I think um, we're recording this on Tuesday, August 3rd, just today, a a frontier flight crew, uh, excuse me, cabin crew was suspended after duct taping a passenger, a very drunk and disorderly passenger to his chair, his seat. Um, (laughs) The the Association of Flight Attendants is protesting and says that Frontier, Frontier acted too quickly based on videos they saw on social media and not the full incident. Um, now that that's alarming. I mean, it would be alarming to see that as a passenger. You know, to, I I watched the video to to watch this passenger get angry and start screaming and clearly drunk. But it's also disturbing to see the um the passenger being having his mouth taped shut with duct tape. So. Yeah, I just don't know what to do about this. I mean, I, you know, I consider myself to be somebody well-versed in airlines. I spent a lot of time covering them. But there have been so many issues that have come up over the last year and a half that I don't feel prepared about, right? Uh, a lot of questions came to me about um, safety on board, right? And that's those are best uh, posed to, to a doctor uh, or some sort of uh, a public health expert. And then these are sort of questions about human behavior. I mean, they happen to happen on airplanes, um, but I, I just don't know what to say as, as somebody who, who like understands the commercial functions of an airline, uh, how you deal uh, w- with unruly passengers like this. I don't know. I mean, there's there have always been air rage incidents. I mean, that that's always been a point of tension in the industry. Um, airports don't want air, airports don't want to to stop selling alcohol. Um, they're supposed to limit the amount of alcohol they serve to guests, but you know some slip through airlines are just not supposed to board people who are visibly drunk or smell like alcohol, but some slip through. I mean, there, it's always been an issue and usually the flight either diverts or the passenger is, um, is calmed down and, um, and, 
handed over to law enforcement upon landing. So it's always been an issue, but I think it's just, as you pointed out, it's human behavior, right? We've, we were talking about the complexity and the stress of travel now. And I can't help thinking that factors into why we're seeing so much air rage. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'm curious, you, you, you work for airlines. I mean, they're, they're, the, the, all this stuff is in the news, but uh, do you think that there's any phenomenon of, of book away of people uh, looking at what's happening on, on, on some airplanes, relatively few and postponing a trip and saying they're not going to go? Or, or do you think that people are, who want to fly are, are still flying? I think people who want to fly are still flying. I mean, I, I, I also think that I'm not going to say the situation is overblown. There's clearly been an uptick, but I wonder how much of an uptick there is. I mean, as you mentioned, I did work for a couple of airlines and um, drunk passengers were, have always been a problem and not so much screaming at masks because that didn't exist, but but a drunk, a passenger having too much to drink at the airport or in, in the flight getting rowdy. I mean, lighting up cigarettes like the these things have always happened and on in large for large airlines they happen on a very regular basis um but the they're just coming under a lot of media scrutiny now so you know i mean spirit ceo um recently said something at an industry conference about um air rage really being blown out of proportion um and that when you think of the number of flights the number of passengers the the incidence of air rage is proportionally very low. So, but it is, uh, it is undoubtedly getting a lot of attention right now. Yeah. And I think that there was some hope uh, among U.S. airlines uh, because uh, masks are such a trigger point for people. They probably shouldn't be. Uh, but the hope was that in September, when that mask mandate from the federal government ends, uh, it wouldn't be put in place for another three-month period, uh, but it looks like, I mean, if you just read the tea leaves, uh, it's hard to believe that the, the government is going to uh, end the mask mandate uh, next month. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've, I've, from what I'm hearing, it'll be extended. Um, so more of this t- to look forward to, I suppose. But, I mean, everything changes. I, I do not have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. Now, Brian, <laughs> I want to turn this back to, to you for a second. Uh, you are well known in the industry as a very avid flyer and sort of an advocate for flying and, and how much you enjoy it and how much you love it. Um, you and I have disagreed about that many times um, and, and talked about that. But uh, but uh, you recently took your first uh, first commercial flight for, what, 18 months? I did. I did, Madhu. Uh, my first commercial flight um, since uh, all of this began um and uh i thought it was gross uh and it was the weirdest thing uh, why, why was you, it gross elaborate on uh, gross and it didn't necessarily have anything to do with with covid um i've just been away from it for so long you've described it in the past as that way of like all these uh, sweaty bodies in a in a in a cramped cabin and uh, i always saw the me, romanticism yes. about it um I generally uh, fly in business class. I was flying long haul business class this time. And uh, it turns out 
people are very close to each other. It's it's uh, you can think of it as like the magic of flight and how great it is to have a flatbed on a long haul airplane. And I agree with all that. Or you could look at it and say, this is the most cramped dorm room I've ever seen in my life. Yes. And uh, after all these uh, months away, uh, I thought the latter. Uh, it was fine. Interesting. Uh, but it, it didn't I wasn't excited to be there. Yeah, it's it's a kind of a bizarre environment, right? Even with live flat seats, when you're walking to the lab, which is a whole different area of conversation, which I, I don't think we should bring up right now, but speaking of bros, um, when you walk to the lab, I mean, you you pass dozens of people who are sleeping and doing whatever it is people do in their sleep. And where else in your adult life do you see that? It's bonkers. And I, I never thought of it that way uh, before before this big layoff. I imagine I'll get back into it uh, and, and not notice it anymore. I used to love to travel. I, I presume that I will again. Uh, but this has absolutely uh, changed my behavior this whole this whole year and a half. And it, it's just not clear uh, when or, or how it's going to end. Yeah. Dad, do you think you'll fly as much as you did in the past? I highly doubt it. Interesting. And this is from Brian Summers, who who would get the shakes if he wasn't an airplane every 15 days or something. Uh, pretty much. Maybe every 12 days. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's a remarkable change. And like, like to, to loop this back to what we were saying earlier, I mean, I don't think we, we really as a society comprehend how much we've changed in the last year and a half. I mean, sequestering people in their home offices for a year and a half really does change behavior in ways that we don't know. We can't forecast. And you and I certainly can't forecast. But um, uh, that's 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 a f um, that's a marker for me. Brian Summers doesn't want to travel. No, uh, but I don't want somebody to play this back to us uh, in ten years, telling us how much we got wrong. Um, <laughs> but they will. You know, pe Someone people people love to travel. They always have loved to travel. I I imagine that someday uh, it will come back and it'll be stronger than it was in 2019. I, I just, it's, it's not going to be that thing where like there's some, uh, giant announcement made uh, by the government that says it's, everything's back to normal now and we can just go back to doing exactly what we used to do. That's not going to happen. Uh, but eventually a version of this will, will all come back. It will. And, um, you know, a few months ago you were on this podcast, Brian, and you said how your local plant nursery had a line to get in. And you thought that would all go away and people would uh, go back to flying and traveling and doing all the fun things they did besides growing plants. Now, I'm an avid gardener, so I took offense at that with that comment. Um, but I wanted to tell you that my local um, nursery still has stanchions up and a line and crowd, a crowd control system in place, which is something that never existed before the pandemic. Well, that's good. I, I'm, 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 I'm sorry to hear that. But what can you do? <laughs> All right. Thank you, Brian Summers, uh, Skift Editor-at-Large, uh, for joining us again this time on the Airline Weekly Lounge. Uh, look forward to having you on again soon. Thanks for having me, Madhu. It's always a blast. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. Of course, check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.